Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. John, how are you? I'm fine, Eric. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. I'm, I'm excited you guys have a guest on the show today. And Michael, I believe you're doing the introduction, correct? Uh, indeed I am, Eric. Yes. All right. Who'd you bring on? Today we have uh, a great attorney colleague of ours, Matthew Kirk from Holland and Knight. He's joining us today. And we're going to talk about a little bit of a, for lack of a better term, esoteric tax planning uh, strategy that Matt has uh, a lot of experience in. He's worked with some of our families uh, on this particular topic. And and uh, so that's what we're going to have uh, Matt talk about today. But before we get into that, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, gentlemen? Hello, Matthew. I'm doing awesome. Hey, John. So, Matt, why don't you give us, uh, or our audience, a little bit of your backgrounds and, and how you got into sort of the tax planning arenas? Sure. I am from the Atlanta area. I went to school down here at Emory and Georgia Law. And I have worked in private wealth services for the last little over nine years here with a family office and um, business owners and wealth creators. And a lot of them build up some pretty large wealth and they're looking for ways to minimize their taxes and plan their business succession among the next generations and whoever they might sell it to and then also protect their assets. So those are three things that I, I tend to help people with. And I worked boutique firms for the first several of my years, but as of uh, January of this year, 2022, I'm with Holland and Knight, which has the largest private wealth services team in the country here. So we have all the resources to do everything, but something that I've, I, I did starting, hmm, I don't know, five-ish years ago, it started working with some families that wanted to take advantage of some tax minimization uh, opportunities that are available in Puerto Rico and the United States Virgin Islands. And it's still something that I do on a, on a semi-regular basis, either with ongoing clients or things people ask about. Because whenever there's some, some tax change afoot, going and living in paradise and paying less taxes for it is always pretty attractive. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually... <laughs> It's usually a conversation. Can I, can I go? Matt, can I go? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you did a great job of introducing the topic uh, today. Thanks for that, Matt. Yeah, th this, I call it nearshore planning, right? It's not offshore. It's it, the Puerto Rico and U.S. Virgin Islands are obviously U.S. territories. You can get in a little bit of that. Uh, but they do have their, and correct me if I'm wrong, their own tax laws, apart from the United States, which gives them a little bit of this hybrid type of format that can have some advantages for certain taxpayers that uh, end up needing to, I think, move there, which is going to be something that you're going to talk, I'm sure, a little bit about, Matt. But, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to this. But it's one of those topics that when we introduce it to families, usually they're not aware that it even exists. So that's why we wanted to have you on, Matt, to really talk about it. Because like you said, you can live in paradise as many people consider it, and get some tax benefits along the way, that's not too shabby. So with that, why don't you, if you can, give a high-level overview of 
some of the tax benefits, and I know that there's obviously differences between Puerto Rico and USVI, but why don't you give a high level, if you can, of the tax benefits that are afforded in these territories? Sure, sure. So this is what you always lead with um, if you're trying to sell it, because it's something that <laughs> is the is the winner here. Now, one thing that's interesting between Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands is they do have different tax systems. The Virgin Islands is what's called a mirror system, so it's very close to our federal system, though it does have some you know differences with respect to these particular matters. Puerto Rico is not a mirror system. It's had its whole thing going on, and it's, it's a little bit different, but to the extent that we're going to get into here, it's relatively similar. So in general, let's start with the U.S. Virgin Islands. You can create a company there, and it is a real company. Um, And depending on how we structure it, it may need to have real employees. But if the amount of income that you can source to this new company that you've created in the Virgin Islands is subject to a 90% reduction in the taxes, there's various types of taxes, but to keep it high level here, Let's focus mainly on ordinary income or or capital gains taxes. So to summarize that, if you have a 40% income tax liability that you would owe if you owned a business here in the United States, there it would be 4%. And to the extent that you have capital gains from your investing business here, uh, the capital gains and there would be 2%. So if you have a $10 million business income for a year. That's, you know, very easy math. That's if we keep it really basic of a $4 million tax or a $400,000 tax with a $3.6 million delta. So the question is, is that $3.6 million worth it for some of the other aspects that go into it? Now, um, Puerto Rico is slightly different. I believe it's slightly newer. I believe they based it on the USVI system, but they added a couple of wrinkles to it. Under their system, there, not only is your income uh, at that minimized rate, but all new capital gains, and I believe dividends and interest, upon maintaining a pre-eco residency for new investments is completely tax-free, zero percent. So, some hedge fund managers, that's uh, people who get heavily into investments, will move to Puerto Rico. Now, it gets a little bit complicated with respect to things you owned beforehand, and there's a couple of formulas there. But moral of the story, it's 4% tax on a business that you set up there that services non-Puerto Rico clients, and 0% tax personally on um, new capital gains. Uh, and that's that's a huge difference, as obviously, as you pointed out, Matt. What's the rationale for this? Is this economic development? Because you mm-hmm. see this a lot with, you know, even in the states in the united states where even locally you might have a tax preference or tax incentive to open a business uh, locally is it the same rationale here it, it it is from my understanding it's 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 taxed about it's trying to get people to move there for especially for puerto rico with the um the complete reduction of capital gains tax looking to have a lot of people move there buy houses employ people things along those lines the virgin islands because it doesn't have that capital gains component is primarily an employment and educational matter. It's tied into the Department of Labor there and their, their, the university and St. Thomas. Um, it's trying to get employment, uh, good jobs to its citizens, and also having people move down there as, as well. But those are all you know, operating businesses. All right, so, Matt, if, so if I wanted to take Copper Beach down to Puerto Rico as an example, 
and open up an office in Puerto Rico. How long would I have to work there? I mean, is, is there a time frame that I've got to be working in, in Puerto Rico versus having an office here in Morristown? Because I got have offices anywhere. I'm thinking if I had my, my main office in Puerto Rico for tax purposes, is that how people think through this? Are, are your wheels turning right now? With, uh, <laughs> just, just, just say it. Just, just say it. Well, unfortunately, there are some things you can't do from there, and I don't know. We'd have I, to do, I do. I do. You tell me that, Matt. Unfortunately, I, as a lawyer, cannot provide legal services from there with the tax <laughs> because I would already be doing that. But you, yeah, there are there are very, there are a number of restrictions, both uh, built into the program into federal law where you need to physically be there to have residency. And I can very briefly get into the certain matters on that, but it's, you know, to really make it basic, it's like essentially 183 days or 547 days in three years. Though there's some exceptions for medical treatment and weather like hurricanes and stuff like that. And it gets more complex than that, but that's, that's largely it. And you have to hit a couple of other things. Like you have no closer connections. Um, which, you know, John, with with the kids and grandkids at home could be a little bit difficult. And um, but you, your, your tax home, your main residence, your everything needs to be in the Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico or, or whatever it is. And at another slightly more complicated level, you we, we need to actually source the income there. Like the work needs to be done there. The intellectual property might need to be owned there. So if you... If you went down there to, let's say, Puerto Rico and you spent six months on the beach and didn't do anything and didn't do any, and, and the business didn't do anything, and then you moved back up to Morristown and worked for six months, that probably wouldn't do it, right? So it's, right. it's it, work that is, work needs to be done down there. Um, but there are ways to make that, make that effective. Um, as I said, through transferring or creating intellectual property systems, processes, things along those lines. That are the tr- could be the true value of Copper Beach, and or developing the ones that you you developed in the last twenty five years, and that would be able to source the income down there. Yeah, I mean that's that. It, it sounds very similar to how a lot of people in the United States might move to a different low tax state, right? To right, Florida. Right. I mean, we see that on the East Coast all the time. Snowbirds, we call them, where they they mm-hmm. might live in the Northeast, but they want to move down to Florida for various reasons, um, better climate, but taxes are often a motivating factor. It sounds pretty similar to that, just on more of the federal level, if you will, rather than the state. Right. So it brings the federal level um, into it. And for what it's worth, just so it's clear on the mere taxes and for USVI, they have no federal tax. They just have their local tax which is the same as the federal tax. So you have no state state tax as well, to the extent that you might think about state tax. And I want to just briefly bounce back and moving there versus, you know, why don't I move to, for example, Cayman or some tax haven or something like that. These, these I believe you call it a near offshore, Michael, mm-hmm. is essentially the only way that you can make this work. I mean, there are severely complex things you can look into, but it's not the 1970s. You can't just offshore assets not pay taxes. Right. <laughs> it's, we have global taxation. Yeah, that went away a long time ago. Did it back. <laughs> <laughs> we have global taxation in this country, and you uh, have to find a way to make it work within the laws that exist. Now, when you look at the different things around us today, like COVID as an example, I would think COVID might have opened that door a little bit to do this, like in Puerto Rico 
or the VI. Is is that are you seeing that? Yes. People people are zooming all day long. So why why would I again? I'm gonna throw Copper Beach in the mix here. So why would not I own an office in in Puerto Rico and Zoom? Michael smiling <laughs> and Zoom all my meetings. Our IPs there. So so that would make sense to someone who's interested in doing that. Michael's gonna say. Well, I was just uh, Matt. You're not. I know you're not giving us legal advice here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, yeah, so the, again, another thing is uh, I'm not giving legal advice and I'm neither a Puerto Rico nor USVI attorney, but the. This is a conversation, guys. This is like a, this is a fun conversation. This is like what if scenarios. It's all, like what if I wanted to do that? It's all us so lawyers with our disclaimers. I gotta leave you lawyers to, you guys are lawyers. <laughs> so it is a, I mean, I, I saw I'm, a number of people move down there because of the pandemic and because yeah, they are okay. out of office, work from office thing. I had several clients who this became a thing. The question is, will they stay? Um, and that can be a little bit, a little bit harder because you do need to stay. For example, that for a, a few years at least, for it to work, you can't, you know, go down there, have a big liquidity event, and move back in a month. Like that's not going to work. But if you if you're able to willing to go down there and, and, and make this work, yeah, I've got I've got clients who take who have oh, created a company, opened up an office in Puerto Rico, and if they're Say, John, say, you know, if you're making the decisions of executing the contracts and selling the positions or, you know, whatever it is, that's what a hedge fund manager would do. If that is being made from your Puerto Rico office, then that's looks like it could be sourced there. The, the, how, close, the, the, how close did they watch that? I.e. Puerto Rico and the United States. They watch, they it, watch it pretty closely. Okay. Um, so that's I mean, the I don't risk. Know. That's the risk. So you actually have to do it. There was this case. Now, I don't remember the exact specifics of it. There was a case a few years ago, like a couple of years ago, I think shortly before the pandemic, where there was this Puerto Rico attorney or financial advisor who was like, ah, come down here. You don't really have to do anything. You don't have to work down down here. You don't really have to do much. This is all sort of whatever. And he did that in email and he got caught. Now he's in federal prison. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, that's the, yeah, that's the, the, the drawback, if you will, if you want to call it a drawback, depending on your situation, is you do need to obviously abide by the laws. And it's not just like you mentioned, just moving down there, having a liquidity event and moving back. So, you know, as we talked about at the beginning, if you want to explore this, it really does have to fit not only financially, but really family as well. Right. I mean, that's that's something that you know, we've seen, we've known people that have changed their residency to Puerto Rico. Usually their family situation is their kids are older, they don't have grandchildren. Uh, and so they're okay to move down there because like you said, dad, they can zoom from down there or they can, they can shift their business down there without really changing a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. But I have had other conversations with some families at a very high level and they said, well, so I could leave my business here in, in the States and just move down there and just operate it. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, I don't think that that would qualify, right? If you have your, your nexus here still in the United States and your business is still here and your employees are still here, that's a really difficult story right. to create. Right. It's, it's a, you have to have, um, there's, there's a lot of nuance there, but you have to have a, a, real, a real business and real services being offered from somewhere. So say if you did have your business in the US and you moved down to Puerto Rico or something like that, and you started a business down there and you know 50% of the value of the company was through this consulting you're doing down there, you might be able to cite us that. But again, going back to the family concept of it is, do you have kids? You, you, if you just leave your, your spouse and children behind, um, your ability to make your argument that you don't have closer connections to wherever you're from in the States, 
is uh, might might be a difficult take. So when I when I I went down to um, you know, the Virgin Islands uh, last year because I've been talking to clients about this, but I've never actually been there. And I went around and I looked at the schools and looked at the housing and just to figure out, you know, what it's what it's like from a day-to-day basis. Can you come down here? Can you send your kids to school? Can you have a house? Can you drive around? And the answer is it's definitely doable. It's just a it's a harder, it's a harder sell. Now I can say just from purely anecdotal personal experience, my clients that have moved to the Virgin Islands versus my clients that have moved to Puerto Rico, they are happier in the Virgin Islands. Most of my clients from Puerto Rico moved back. It's a much larger island, obviously, but it's just more culturally different. Okay. That's interesting to know. Yeah. Uh, would you be willing to discuss maybe some, without obviously giving names and, and detailed information, but maybe some of the cases that you worked on that have been successful in moving down there, maybe just give our audience a little bit of an understanding of their asset makeup and, and how they put things together? So let's start with Puerto Rico. We have a, a firm here at Hall tonight. There's some various people and in investments who moved down there and hedge fund managers, relatively common. And somebody, there were a couple of funds, one that he ran and one that he didn't run. And um, he moved down there and set up an office in Puerto Rico and at a business. And this is called Act 60. It used to be Act 2021. He, you know, applied for everything and established his bona fide residency there. But then we had to look at all the various different sources of income. So the fund that he ran and sold all the positions on and everything, it has been thus far successful in being sourced to sourced Puerto Rico. And though he was on the board, because he had a physical office in the United States, but for the other fund, where a lot of decisions were being made there, it, we weren't able to source that portion to Puerto Rico. Though he also set up he was able to do consulting. Um, he was an independent contractor as a, as a board member. And through that, we were able to get additional income for his, his management services and uh, contractor services to his Puerto Rico company and thus subject to the 4% taxes. And But each, each source of income is a bit of its own consideration. There are right. carve-outs for certain types of income. There are carve-outs for board members to a certain way, like they might be subject to U.S. withholding tax, which is 30% under FDAP. So it, it can get, it can get pretty complicated, but again, if you can, you can get a lot of it down there. Um, one other thing that was relevant for this client is he had a lot of international income for being international board member. Now, the thing about the territories is they're not subject to tax treaties. So if you have income from various other countries, the tax treaties may or may not help you. Hmm. So, there's this places where you have to think about how double taxation could apply. Um, uh, if, if I can interrupt you real quick, if you don't mind, but when you're talking about sort of segmenting the income and you just mentioned the tax treaty for international uh, income, what's your experience been in uh, working with uh, CPAs or, or tax professionals with these clients that you've worked with? I would imagine there's probably specialty accountants that are used to handling this probably more than your average. Absolutely. First of all, I would never do anything without having local counsel. A. Right. And B, I also like to have local tax counsel. Count tax uh, like as a CPA to an extent, though they can be kind of hard to find. So you have to, it's, I prefer to have sophisticated US CPAs as well. 
to be the thought of these situations or can go through the nuances per income stream that I was talking about. There are, you know, more straightforward ones. If so, I have to give to give other examples. Um, some Virgin Islands for ones, for example, I've got some people that run some financial services companies out of there, and they live there, and they these companies hold a lot of assets, and those assets are invested, and they have gain, and there's a ninety percent reduction, and so therefore they pay two percent on that, and that's all pretty pretty straightforward. And I still work with a very sophisticated CPA on the matter because it's there's it's never easy. <laughs> I imagine, yeah. And I can another one that I've worked with there is um, I work with a couple of technology companies, and they've set up set up structures there, and they've developed a lot of intellectual property that they then license back to U.S. U.S. clients. Maybe you might start out as your initial business, possibly, but also can go to other U.S. clients, and also have their management consulting efforts are happening from there, and so they're able to source large amounts of income from there. And I also want to bring up, if you don't mind, I can sort of leading myself a little bit. Go there's, ahead, please. Uh, in the Virgin Islands, there's two, just two different things. One thing called the EDC, Economic Development Commission. And there's this somewhat competing entity on the same island, on the same group of islands called RT Park, Research and Technology Park. And one thing that you could do with the Research and Technology Park is more integrated towards technology is it's it's a can be a lower cost method where you may not necessarily even need to have other employees while you're there. Hmm. There are specifics like they own a tiny percentage of your company if you're able to sell it. Um, and there's some contributions you need to give to the local university and everything. But it can be a little bit less of a complex headache. Because for under the EDC system, you're going to need to eventually have a minimum of five to 10 employees, depending on the type of investment that you company that you have and provide them health insurance and, and all these other things and benefits. And sometimes people aren't looking to set up another company <laughs> with, with all the things that come with it. So it's the, the difficulties in my experience come down to the practicalities of the matter, right. living there, hiring people there, working there and, and everything. Cause it's, it's not, it's not the mainland United States. It's a different way of life. Yeah, I mean that's this is uh, I think another example of maybe not letting the tax tail wag the dog all of the time, right? I think it's important to look at those tax benefits, which are substantial. But obviously, to your point, Matt, the practicalities of living there and abiding by the laws can really, depending on the family and the makeup and the business, they might override any tax benefits you might get. So it is really important to look at all this. It's definitely something that you should discuss with your advisors, but how it actually plays into your family situation is really the most important part from my standpoint, because obviously, That's, you know, it's probably, I would imagine, you know, we always say fees are relative to value, which I think is very true in this case, but I would imagine the complexity of having to put this in place is a little bit more time intensive, a little bit more fee intensive. So you really should understand what the day-to-day -day life is going to be. And, and like. Yeah, big change. It's a you big know? change in your life, like, to your point, Matt. And and I, I, I guess you and I know, and, and Michael know, that there's there's a lot of opportunity here in the estates to do some advanced tax planning with the current structure and the laws. That, that might 
might it might be easier or might be more comfortable for you to use those tac- tactics versus moving all the way to Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands. And it's my understanding that it doesn't change any of the estate tax ramifications of someone's assets, correct? Either jurisdiction. If someone okay. passed away, they're subject to the estate tax here in the United States, correct? Right. So you would do similar planning potentially with respect to estate taxes. And, right. and you can do trusts. Uh, and I do trust planning that I work with local council um, on trust planning that actually gives you some flexibility on some of these practicalities, but ultimately you do need to live there. But you can, you need to, you know, plan around avoiding the, uh, the estate tax, which is, which is going to be huge. If you if you develop a new business there that's making 20 million a year in income, obviously that's all automatically <laughs> a potential right. estate tax issue. So you you definitely want to plan plan holistically. And yeah, and this is not the only thing. It's this is not the only option on the table. I say, of the clients that I speak to about this, I'd say who are excited about it and may even bring it up to me. Two thirds never do it because it's just it's there's there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not not as simple as people might might think it is. But it if it for the clients who are willing to do it, it really works. Um, but you said on the personal thing, um, I've had clients who have young children or they're trying to have children or maybe the grandchildren or whatever and they just they don't want to they don't want to be so far away from them now it's not too terribly far you know if the client is from florida and they're moving to the virgin islands it's a hop skip and a jump right so it's it's sort of relative to where you are agreed yeah now are there any other jurisdictions that have a positive twist to their tax structures that people also look at I think that there are some of the, the really far-flung U.S. territories or possessions that might have some some tax benefits, but I have never heard personally of anyone actually implementing those, and I'm not fully educated on them. It's these are the these are the main ones, and they are, I mean, they're they're pretty excellent in the things they had, they offer, and I you know, suggest taking a search on it, and noting that if you, again, if you do the search, might be people are trying to sell you, they go, oh, they can just do this. And move on down here. Never pay taxes again. Yeah. And Puerto Rico, and there's there's more to it than that. Yeah, as, as proactive advisors as we all are here on this call, it, 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 this comes up. I mean, we, it's another hour and a quiver that you have to discuss and have, be knowledgeable about it because people are asking questions about these jurisdictions. And I know Puerto Rico, I talked to someone recently, is, isn't Puerto Rico changing some of their, uh, their rules around moving yes. out of there? Yes, and they did a whole rewrite of a lot of their tax laws that came out over the summer. And that's that's my my caution is that especially Puerto Rico, they they changed their laws with semi regularity that it's hard to guarantee that something will be the case forever. Yeah, that was my that was my point. Yeah. If they could yeah. change it, they have changed it. They so could become a state. They could completely right. get rid of these laws, you know, they, they, and then and then they would be out the way. I would say again, between the two of them, I would I would, it's much less likely the U.S. Virgin Islands would change their laws and they haven't as much, you know, over the past, over the past several years, but there's just legal differences. And then one more quick thing with respect to trust planning, trusts have really only been a thing in Puerto Rico for a few years. They really only changed the trust, their code a few years ago to add for trust in the way we think about it, because it's, it's system is a gamesh of other systems, including Spanish, law, which doesn't have. So it's, it's. And these and the laws are just always are always changing. So nothing is forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that that's again an over 
overarching theme here is that if you are going to look at one of these jurisdictions that we focused a lot on, you really have to take the time to make sure that it fits and spend the time with your advisors to talk about what the day-to-day life looks like, right? Because that, at the end of the day, is what you're going to have to live with. And again, tax tails wagging the dog are are great when it's a big tail, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not always beneficial in in hindsight when you actually are there. I I would think, Matt, one last point, that folks that ultimately move to Puerto Rico as an example and own a, a very successful company, their main focus is the exit strategy to that from a tax planning standpoint, not necessarily income tax planning on a daily basis. Am I correct in that? You are, you are. But there goes to the interesting point of uh, liquidity events down there. So one real quick 30,000-bit few tax nerd thing. In the 10 years that you move down there, if you have any existing assets or companies or anything along those lines, there could be an allocation of how, how long you owned it between those two jurisdictions. So if you advance business in you know, the US and you moved down to Puerto Rico, and then four years later you sold it, there might be a 40% allocation to Puerto Rico on that liquidity event. Okay. So it's if you're looking forward to that, that's something you can do, but it would largely be, if it's anything less than 10 years, based on a new business you would create from the ground up and the Virgin Islands of Puerto Rico to really get those major benefits. Okay. Excellent. Well, Matt, this is this is awesome. It's uh, you know, enlightened me because I've known a lot about these laws, but even just talking to you today, there's more things that I've picked up. So I want to thank you for that. And uh, again, thank you for being a part of yeah, our thanks, podcast. Man. And this is a topic that, again, we, we wanted to discuss. It's a little bit esoteric, as I mentioned at the beginning. It's not going to apply to everybody. But again, we're about educating our listeners and our families. And this is just, again, as you mentioned, another hour in in the quiver, so to speak, if you're focused on tax planning, that maybe it's a fit. might not be, but at least you have the conversation. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, guys, this has been a great podcast. Matt, I like that last point you brought up as far as they can change their laws. Uh, my parents retired to Costa Rica, lifestyle a lot cheaper, you know, beautiful sunshine, so on and so forth. Uh, they were down there for a little over four years, but they had to come back because they did change some of the laws and they were trying to tax pensionados, as they're called, retired folks down there. And they, mm-hmm. they initiated much larger taxes on them that were was really going to affect their retirement overall. So they said, well, back to the States we go. So it, it's obviously a thing. And uh, since they're not a state, they can change their taxes any way they want. It's their country, right? So got to play in their sandbox, I suppose. Yep. All right. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for being on the show. John and Michael, thank you so much for facilitating this and bringing them on the show. If folks want to reach out, uh, John, how do they reach out to you just to discuss the possibilities of getting to some sunshine? <laughs> well, they can always reach us on our main line here. It's uh, 856-988-8300. We're on LinkedIn. Both Michael and I have uh, positions on LinkedIn, so uh, feel free to reach out. And Matt, maybe you can give your contact uh, information as well if people want to reach out to you directly. Sure, thanks. Um, it's For me, it's my email. It's probably the easiest way. It's matt.kirk at hklaw.com. That's H is in Holland, K is in night, law.com. All right, awesome. Thank you. 
again, thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. And our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc. and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. Holland and Knight, American Portfolios, and Copper Beach Financial Group are unaffiliated entities.